Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey Jonathan, how's it going? Uh, well, this has been a week. Yes. Um, I have gotten very little sleep a couple of nights and it, it's just been, wow. Who would have thought last week when we recorded that this week yeah. we'd be talking about President-elect Donald J. Trump? I Let's just go ahead and put all the cards out there. I was not expecting. Nope. I don't think anybody that. was. My first election that I voted in was the 2000 election of uh, Bush versus Gore, which had its moments and all oh, the, yes. the recounts and everything. But uh, for this, I, I don't think uh, we would have ever uh, expected something like this. Yeah, it it was just, um, it was one of those things where you're sitting there and you, you, you knew that for most of us, we had a different candidate uh, in the primaries. Um, I would, and I would assume that a lot of our listeners might have had that experience too, which is not that difficult when you have like 19 candidates in the primaries. Yeah. You did three on one side, be like 19 on the other side. So a lot of people had a different candidate in the primaries. Uh, so you you go into this knowing a year ago this is not really what I wanted was in you know any of the these outcomes. But you're you're preparing yourself, and this was not the one I was preparing myself for. No. I so, kind of almost resigned myself to a, a Clinton presidency and I am yeah, extremely kind of surprised now. And I, I was, yeah. I was trying to figure out how to, how to like wrap my head around it the other night when it, when it happened. Yeah. Very, uh, very interesting thing just to sink in. But now I had a great day. Um, I love election day so much and I was up, I, w- I woke up at five and, got got over to my precinct around uh, 6.15 and just had a great, uh, fun day and a, a really fun night just watching returns. So, Yeah, and North Carolina, where you live, uh, was one of the most talked about states of the evening. Yes. Wound up, wound up I, going to Trump by a lot more than anybody predicted. Yes, it did. Um, I, very interesting. Now, our county, Wake County, uh, did not. It went to, to Hillary Clinton. Um, but the state, by and large, went to Donald Trump. And I have to tell you, I'm very glad that this is over from the standpoint of the ads. I know a lot of people have seen you know, some, some of the ads. I could recite them all for you. My children <laughs> got to where they would go out of the room um, because they were on all the time. And almost every day, somebody was here yeah, in our you state. Had a, you had a hotly contested Senate race, a governor race, right? And the uh, the presidential. I mean, they were all right at like that fifty fifty mark and coin flip the day of, right? And our governor's race still isn't settled, so it's just a really uh, very, just a really interesting time to live in this state. I always wanted to live in a battleground state because I'm just weird. And now you've had enough of it. Now I'm good. I've done it. Don't ever have to do it again. So <laughs> want to move to somewhere like California where there's no battleground at all. <laughs> well, something like that. Um, but maybe not California. Yeah, I don't know. But uh, anyway, it it was still it was a really fun day and enjoyed watching them in. Uh, watch enjoyed watching everything come in um, and just trying to kind of analyze. Now you mentioned the the ads. I, I read an article yes. the other day that the. TV companies were really hurting because the ad revenue did not come in. So as much ad 
revenue that was generated and as many ads that were played, they still said that this election cycle brought in half of the budgeted ad revenue that they thought. Like, because Clinton really? and, and Trump especially did not spend nearly anything like what Clinton compared. did compared to the previous years. And I, I guess because they were kind of over so soon and everybody had gotten so inundated with the primary stuff, the, the real ad bias didn't happen until late, huh. late, late in the campaign. And there was something like $27 million. One of the companies said they had budgeted over $50 million in ad revenue and only $27 million had come in. They were at like half their ad revenue. Uh, wow. In, in the, the television ads. And just totally unexpected. And because of the digital rise and how much money people were spending on digital ads instead of TV. Yeah. Very interesting. Which kind of makes you wonder, like, in a state like you, it probably inundated with Clinton ads for it still to go Trump. It, it kind of yeah. makes you wonder if if we're going to see maybe next time there won't be as many TV ads because maybe they just aren't as effective anymore. I don't know. Oh, that that would be lovely. I, think that, I, I would wholeheartedly vote for that. Well, before we get into uh, a lot more of the election fallout and some of the other issues that were on state ballots and how they impact Southern Baptist, I do want to thank our sponsor for this week's episode. Coming up later in this month, we kick off Advent, and every Christmas, Christians around the world celebrate the Advent season, recognizing the love, hope, joy, and peace that is found only in Jesus Christ. Through this devotional, The Expected One by Scott James, Scott brings to light the many promises of Christ from birth to ascension that demonstrate his love for us during this Christmas season. These daily devotions, which are designed for both family and individual use, are timeless and moving reminders of the true gift of Christmas. You can pick up The Expected One at Lifeway.com or at any Lifeway Christian retailer uh, store, and uh, you, you can... Get those in packages of 20. You can pass them out at your church. You can get them $5 a piece, uh, boxes of 20 available at LifeWay.com uh, and at LifeWay Christian Stores. So check out your local LifeWay. Talk to them and get your copy of The Expected One. Maybe you know give one out to all the, the families in your church or something like that this year. So be kind of a, a neat little thing to do. Nice. But Amy, we've got news to talk about not only the presidential election. We had some Southern Baptist uh, who won re-election as U.S. Senators. Yes, so um, Roy Blunt of Missouri, John Boozman of Arkansas, and James Langford of Oklahoma all won re-election um, as Republicans to the Senate, and those are three Southern Baptists. Yeah, Langford was a landslide, but the Blunt race was a tight, tight race. Speaking of ads, that uh, he had quite a challenge from, it was Jason Kander, um, who had an ad that was really making the rounds. Um, yeah, they, I, had, I saw somebody the other night say that was the most or most effective political ad this campaign cycle, but he still didn't win. Yeah, there was also a... Um, there was an the one ad. from Texas? Yes, there was the, the local election in Texas. That was a pretty effective one too. Uh, so I don't, know if, I don't know if he won or not. I'm not sure in Texas. Um, but... But yeah, that that ad uh, uh, that Jason Kander had was very, very interesting. Um, so people said he was really giving it a run, uh, giving, giving Roy Blunt a run for his money. Um, but Roy Blunt did win that election. So three Southern Baptists uh, in the U.S. Senate. I know there are many more Southern Baptists in the House of Representatives uh, just by sheer number, but I don't know who all of 
those are. Yeah, and there are more Southern Baptists in the Senate, just uh, not up for re-election this time. Right, right, correct. So, uh, but congratulations again to Senators Roy Blunt, John Boozman, and James Lankford for their re-election. Uh, obviously, the presidential election went to Donald Trump. And, uh, yes. Uh, we've been watching people react to that. Uh, saw some right. some rather grace-filled reactions this week and saw some rather not-so-grace-filled reactions uh, from some in the media this week. So uh, just fascinating to see how polarizing that has become uh, just two days or three days into the Donald Trump presidency. Yes, and but I do want to commend and, and point out that even though we've had some, some challenges and there's been some protesting and, and, and all of that, uh, we've seen a real model over the last couple of days in the concession speech by Hillary Clinton in the speech from the current president, Barack Obama, in uh, what what we saw today uh, in the first transitional visit. So it's a great thing to see us do what we do, which is a peaceful transfer of power. And it's been a very contentious election season. And, uh, and I think everyone wondered, regardless of outcome, what that would be like. And it was, it was what we needed the very next day. Yeah, and we have a blog post up at sbcthisweek.com with some Baptist uh, responses and some tweets that we collected from the the evening of the election and the morning after. So if you're interested in that and seeing how some of uh, Southern Baptist leaders reacted to the Trump presidential win, you can check that out at sbcthisweek.com. Also on the ballot, Amy, you had nine states that were that had marijuana-related ballot measures, all but one passed. That, that's crazy. And here's the thing. Had we not had such a story of the presidential election, um, that that would be the, the story. Yeah, it would. You know, I don't know where that's going to go if we're just going to start seeing that in, in more states. Yeah, we had five states consider recreational marijuana legalization for adults. California, Massachusetts, Maine, Nevada all voted in favor of legalization of marijuana. Arizona rejected it. So... Uh, that that keeps the SBC annual meeting next year that much safer, I guess. <laughs> oh my goodness! Oh wow! Yeah, you really went there. Uh, yes, it does. It does. That that won't be an issue. And then there were four states uh, that were considering medical marijuana: Arkansas, Florida, Montana, and North Dakota. And so they either were legalizing it or expanding its use. And there were some um, quotes from uh, Barrett Duke, who's uh, the new executive in Montana, uh, has been vice president for uh, public policy at the ERLC uh, for many years until. And so there are some comments on him just about even the problems with medical marijuana. So this is certainly something to uh, something to really, you know, watch, but it, it doesn't look like that trend is going to stop. Yeah, I was a little surprised by the the number on the Florida medical marijuana passing uh, 71% in favor, uh, which seemed rather high. That, yeah, that's really fascinating, Jonathan. Uh, I, I'd be interested to read some studies on that. I wonder if, if there's some more breakdowns. We've just had our attention so much on the other elections this year uh, that we, we, don't, we haven't really talked a lot about that. Because even in like the legalization of recreational use, California was 56-44. Maine barely got over the 50% mark. Arizona rejected it at 52-48. Nevada was 54-46. 
And then you go to the 71% for the medical marijuana. But even in Arkansas, it was 53-47, 57-43 in Montana, and 64-36, which is a bit high in North Dakota. But the 71 seems kind of like an outlier there. So it was, it was yeah. a bit surprising. Very interesting. Well, the Baptist Press did a very thorough story yes. on it. So we'll, we'll, right. So we'll put that in the show notes. Yep, we will. And also, uh, probably, I think the story that got overlooked the most, I saw it a lot on election night, uh, but because it didn't deal with marijuana, which is kind of a hot button issue in the the press, and it didn't deal with Donald Trump, uh, physician-assisted suicide was approved in Colorado. Yeah, I saw that. You know, you, it just would kind of creep in on social media every now and then you'd see it, but I, I didn't pay as much attention to it as anyone. So Proposition 106, uh, known as the Colorado End of Life Options Act, it passed by a two-thirds margin, uh, 64.55% of voters uh, passed that. And uh, so before before this vote, ass- assisted death um was a crime of felony manslaughter. It, it gives a- access to medication that can um, assist in uh, euthanasia. So that's a very kind of a sad thing to see, and I know that's in some some other states. Uh, but yeah, that kind of slid slid in there as well. Yeah, and I've got a uh, email into Mike Rout. He's the president of the Colorado Baptist Convention. I'm trying to get him on the show. Uh, to talk not only about this, but about the uh, the upcoming executive director search for the retiring um, executive director there, Mark Edlin. Uh, so I, I hope to hear something back from Mike. Hopefully we can get him on the show. He can talk us through this and, and any other decisions uh, that are going on out there in Colorado and just kind of fill us in, give us a, a good picture of what's going on out there. Yeah, absolutely. Also on the docket were some death penalty-related measures. California, Nebraska, and Oklahoma all affirmed the death penalty in their states, even though California, California's got the most people on death row, yet have not executed some anyone since 2006. So they t- they've gone 10 years without executing anyone. They have the highest wow. number of people on death row. And they were trying to repeal the death, punish- death penalty in California However, and did not, they did not, it did not pass. So it stayed, they affirmed the death penalty in California. However, they're not using it. Yeah. Um, really a lot of interesting things on ballots all across the country. I, I kind of enjoyed that we did not have anything here in North Carolina. Really. We had enough to contend with, with our, our Senate race and governor's race and, and all of that. We had one, a brief sort of Wake County tax question, and and that was it. Uh, but a lot of of heavy things being considered all across the country. All right, and I just got an email back in while we we're recording from Mike Rout. He's nice. In, he's in Senegal, Africa. So that that okay. That, um, interview is going to have to wait until he gets all back. All right. But uh, so we will be able to hear from Mike Rout. Maybe uh, next week we can interrupt our our series on the uh, seminary colleges and uh, hear from Mike Rod about this and all things Colorado. Amy, before we move on from the politics, any thoughts on how Southern Baptists should react to, you know, we, we talked a little bit about the presidency, but the legalization of marijuana, where that's going, the death penalty, as well as the uh, assisted suicide. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, I think, particularly in the the areas of assisted suicide and marijuana. I mean, we've spoken about that a lot. We've gone on record with um, re- just a resolution last year about assisted suicide. That's in the, in the story. Um, and so we certainly want to continue to stand, uh, to stand up in some of these ethical uh, situations and, and to use the, 
resources that we have in front of us from uh, the ERLC or other other places to be able to deal with that. Um, certainly we need to pray. But in these states, I mean, we've got pastors and churches in these states. Probably one of the things that challenges me most is to know that these places where, for example, where marijuana is legalized, that this is something that people will turn to, um, that to, to, in order to deal with their problems, that uh, assisted suicide in Colorado, this is seen as an answer uh, to a terrible problem. And so we've got churches that are there to offer a different kind of hope. So uh, th- I think that's something to really think about. I think when we th- when we consider um, what happened in the other elections, I'm just reminded of our episodes back at the end of the summer when we covered the different platforms. Um, you know, we have a very unique thing that I don't. Th- I mean, we were look. Everyone was starting to speculate a Democrat. Um, a democratic presidency, a possibly a democratic Senate, more than likely not a house, but right. But we've now got not only uh, the Republican candidate going to the white house, but uh, the Republicans retain the Senate. So we have sort of a single party. It's really important to look back at that platform um, to remember the things that uh, that we really stand for and to really try to hold our leaders accountable for the platform that they put forward. Um, and then also to remember, I mean, we had two things that we uh, talked about. We did uh, resolutions on at our meeting this summer um, when we focused on the Confederate flag. And then we spent so much time talking about racial reconciliation. We have discussed that so much in in years past as a convention. It's become one of our highest priorities, uh, as well as how we reach um, refugees. And uh, that that was a big big thing uh, as far as a resolution this year and conversation that's happened. Uh, We've seen a lot out of what Johnson Ferry Baptist Church has been doing with Bryant Wright uh, in the area of refugee ministry. And remember, we talked about this this summer, you and I did, that those two issues which we've said as Southern Baptists are very important to us, um, they're not, they didn't really have much mention in uh, the Republican platform. And so sometimes it can be easy when we think, okay, our officials are elected now, we can just sort of breathe uh, and, and not and not remember some of these other areas. We don't want to lose sight of those goals um, that we have when, you know, we kind of get caught up in all these other things that are important to us. And now we have maybe a chance through legal means uh, for some protection. Uh, We've got to, we've got to make sure that we're stepping up in these, in these areas as well uh, that we've, we've stated to be some of our highest priorities. Yep. And, and that is something I think we will all be looking for in the days to come, uh, not only, you know, from the presidency, but from the United States Congress, as well as, uh, you know, that that other open Supreme Court justice position. Yes. So, um, you know, a, a conservative executive, legislative, and judicial branch of the government, something that I, I don't think we could have expected in 2016, but hey, 2016 is going to 2016. Yep. This has been a year that many of us will not soon forget, so... Uh, Absolutely not. All right, so we've got some other news here. Before we get to our state recaps, a couple of uh, notes. An Insanity of God simulcast this week, November the 13th, and the DVD release is coming November the 21st. So this was a big story back in the summer. Had a couple of events in theaters as well as a 
simulcast uh, on November the 9th, and there's another one this Sunday night. If you're interested in that, lifewayfilms.com. You can find out more about that at, also at the insanityofgodmovie.com. And uh, so check that out. It's a great movie. If you didn't get a chance to see it in theaters, it's going to be out on DVD and Blu-ray on the 21st of November. Uh, a great opportunity for churches to have this uh, shown in their church. Do a movie night in your church. Uh, there's information at lifewayfilms.com about how to do that and to do it legally. And uh, so check that out over there at lifewayfilms.com or insanityofgodmovie.com. Also, excellent. some news. We, we kind of mentioned Phoenix earlier when we were talking about the Arizona uh, marijuana laws, but uh, Phoenix is going to have an SBC crossover uh, in partnership with Greg Laurie's crusade. So Greg Laurie is bringing his Harvest America crusade to Phoenix uh, the Sunday wow. night before the annual meeting. It'll be kind of running at the same time as the pastor's conference, but obviously for a, a bit of a different audience uh, as these, uh, these large crusades are, are mostly a gospel outreach uh, and the uh, the pastors' conference more of a training and, and you know uplifting, encouraging time for uh, pastors traveling in. But this will be a, a great way for Phoenix churches to connect with uh, the outreach efforts going on with crossover there in the Phoenix area for the SBC annual meeting. I think we had heard there was going to be um, a crusade, but we didn't have all the details yeah. about it. So it's exciting to to get that announcement. So this will be a, a big you know kind of a, a capstone event for the crossover uh, weekend and week that, that goes on out there. I know you uh, at Southeastern have students that go out there from all our seminaries, yes. actually, uh, that help with that. We talked to Whitney Clayton here on the the podcast a few months ago, a church planner out there in the Phoenix area that's coming, uh, you know, kind of partnered with my church at First Baptist Mount Juliet, as well as several others. He's from Kentucky. He was our, you remember, he was our first guest that had went to the Ark. That's, that's right. Yeah. That's right. I'd interviewed him after he'd just gotten back from the Ark. Speaking of which, we haven't talked have, about the Ark lately, and they, they have not contacted me, have not sent tickets. And you haven't just driven up there? No, I've you been know, busy. Because, Got a few things going on here. Here's the thing. I'm convinced that they would give you tickets if you went up there and just paid for them. I bet they would. I mean, I know <laughs> they would. <laughs> and and I yeah. bet I could get to see everything if I did that. Well, I'm, I'm trying to find a place to take Beth for our anniversary in January, so maybe we should go to the Ark. Maybe you should. Do they, and you could eat up there? In that big restaurant. I wonder if they sell those big turkey legs like in Disney. I had one of those at Dollywood recently. I've never had one. They're, they're not it like just, a chicken leg where you eat. It just, there's a different method to eating those. Just throwing that out there. That's totally it just random. Looks, it just looks like the Flintstones to me. Yes. That's a good point. Yeah. So, all right. Well, we have really gotten off base. Anyway. So yes. Crusade, Phoenix, Sunday night. Uh, if you're a, a pastor out in the Phoenix area or uh, know people out there, that uh, want to get involved in that, you can find out more about that at the Baptist Press article. Also, some news, uh, a couple of Texas churches. We had one last week uh, from another state, but the BGCT has put two churches on notice of expulsion, First Baptist Church Austin, as well as Wilshire Baptist Church, both for affirming same-sex behavior and LGBT um, lifestyles in the church. Very interesting. Uh, and like you said, interesting to see it so soon after we just talked about it. Yeah, these things uh, but kind of again, come in waves, I guess. Right. Again, yeah, it's just um, something that we see from time to time and, you know, very possibly we'll just continue to see more. We will. Uh, also, last week, uh, just a quick note on this. We talked last week about the Ohio Baptists adopting a 50-50 funding split at their annual meeting last week. Uh, there's a write-up about that this week in Baptist Press. So you've got the full story this time. Uh, this week we talked about it, and uh, David Starry, pastor of First Baptist Church 
Vandalia was elected the convention president, succeeding Jeremy Westbrook, pastor of Living Hope Church in Marysville, Ohio. Uh, Tom Pendergrass, pastor of Lebanon Urban Crest Baptist Church, was elected the first vice president. Um, real quick, Amy, last week on the show, we talked about um, the California Baptist Convention, and yes. we had a, a name that was um, a little bit difficult. Yes. And Jason Wright wrote in and gave us the information on how to say it. And I'm it, so grateful. Jay, I need to give a shout out to Jason. Jason I sent Jason was, a book. So good, I, I I'm said glad. that I would send a, a book. You said if anybody sends it in, I could I would send him a book. Yes. It's Chaya Sarazaban. Excellent. I did see he did the whole like phonetic yes. spelling and everything. Jason uh, was my first uh, small group uh, leader here. Well, I guess my second. He was. We were in a small group here. Oh, you um, know Jason. Don- yeah, he oh. was. He was my. He was my growth group leader. Here. Well, wow. And now, Jason and now did a he good lives- job. He was your leader of your growth. So. Yes. Well done, and Jason. And so he, yeah. So he and his wife Kaylee live in California now, uh, and are uh, planting a church out there. So um, I was kind of proud to see that he was the one that did it. Yep. So we got that name. So hopefully, yes. hopefully, not too many difficult names this week, but that'll be on you, Amy. So tell us what happened in Kansas, Nebraska. All right. So uh, in Kansas, Nebraska, they increased uh, their CP giving by three percent. Um, so that uh, they approved a, a 2017 budget of around a little, almost four and a half million, um, and they will forward 27 percent uh, of those gifts onto the executive committee, and then any CP receipts above the budget, 50 um, percent of those oh, okay. would go to the cooperative program. So uh, again, this is one of the those states. It's in you know in the middle, not as not as big. Obviously, one of those conventions. It's two states uh, together. They had 214 messengers and uh, 22 guests. So uh, Joe Styles from First Southern Baptist Church of Lawrence, Kansas. He was re-elected president. Derek Lynch uh, was re-elected vice president. He's from Overland Park. Uh, Brian Jones uh, from Tyler Road Southern Baptist Church in Wichita, recording secretary. And Susan Susan Peterson um, at Prairie Hills Baptist Church in Augusta was re-elected assistant recording secretary. And Tony Matia, pastor of Trinity Baptist Church in Wamego, Kansas, was re-elected historian, which that's an office you don't see in all of the oh. state conventions. So I think that's very interesting. Fascinating here that uh, the Kansas-Nebraska Convention of Southern Baptist all the elected officials are from Kansas. Yes, they are. I'll have to ask Sam about that. I'm sure that. it's not yeah. intentional. It just happens to be that way. It's just, just yeah. kind of fascinating. So it'd yeah. be like all the Utah-Idaho people being from Idaho or something. Right, right. So. Now, an interesting little kind of nugget in this story, which, again, uh, this Baptist Press story will we'll share in the show notes. Uh, the Baptist Digest, yeah. which is their news journal, will end print publication with the December issue and yeah. switch to an electronic format. So that's a you know a trend that we... Yeah, we just talked about the Florida Baptist Witness going to uh, yes. twice monthly, I think, every other week. Yep. Um, and, and now we're, we're seeing another one going full digital following the lead of the Georgia Index or the Christian yes. Index in Georgia. Yes. All right. All right. Well, let's go west to Montana. What happened there, Jonathan? Well, they elected Barrick Duke. They acclaimed him. Yes, they did. And we yes, talked about did. that already, but uh, they also increased their budget uh, by 2% to $1.38 million. 
um, anticipating an increase of uh, it's just thirty nine thousand dollars, but it's uh, it's an increase, so that that's that's good. Twenty five percent of cooperative program receipts will be sent on to the SPC Executive Committee, and Darren Hills was reelected as the president of the convention. Lee Merck was reelected as the vice president. They had one hundred and fifty eight in attendance, uh, so sixty one churches participated. So that was kind of exciting there. Uh, a big state and a, a good meeting, and congratulations again too. Barrett Duke on his election as the executive director of the Montana Southern Baptist Convention. And finally this week, Arkansas uh, also met October 25th and 26th at Emmanuel Baptist Church. It used to be pastored by Gary Hollingsworth, who's now the executive in South Carolina, but uh, they hosted Correct. the event. Also, also used to be the church where Bill and Hillary Clinton That's were members. Right. That's right. Yes. It's yes. all coming back to the to the top of the show. See, well done, yes. Amy. Very famous church. Had 545 registered messengers at the annual meeting this year and approved a $21 million budget, which is uh, just a million dollars shy of the previous year budget of $22 million, uh, but we'll be passing on uh, 43.77%. They're trying to get up to 45.82% by 2022 as they try to get closer and closer to that 50-50 split. Sam Roberts was reelected the president of the convention. Um, he was uh, serving the unexpired term of Gary Hollingsworth, who was the president, but elected, okay. you know, mentioned yeah. the uh, executive director in South Carolina. That might have been why it was hosted at Emmanuel Baptist, uh, since he was the president. But uh, other offices elected John McCullum, pastor of First Baptist Church Hot Springs, was elected first vice president. And Craig Collier, pastor of Mountain Pisgah Baptist Church in Jacksonville, Arkansas, was elected second vice president. They adopted eight resolutions, including on medical marijuana, which got passed this week. Yeah. Even after this so um another interesting thing just down in the the miscellaneous portion of the story they held a block party on the grounds of the church in order to demonstrate uh to other church leaders how to hold block parties for their own churches i wonder if they had snow cones i don't know jumpies i'm sure they had uh bounce bounce, like houses. bounce houses yeah i'm yeah. sure they had that everybody calls those different things i've noticed that for moving around the yeah. country yes they're, and what did you just call them? I called them a jumpy. I've never heard of that in my I've life. I've heard moonwalks, skywalks, jumpies, jump house, bounce house, um, yeah. inflatables. That's just the generic. I think that's what my wife calls them. So I've I've heard so many different things. I guess maybe children's ministry. I'm more exposed to the inflatable industry uh, with the, the moon bounces and whatnot, bounce houses. Right. I'm, I'm favorite, gonna, like I think my, I'm mixing them all up now. Right, my favorite are the big slides that that they yes. blow up. But I always said bounce houses. So okay, I think they're they're called different things. It's a colloquialism in different parts of the country. It's like Coke. Yeah, it's Coke. Yeah, soda. what kind of Coke would you like? Yes. Yes. So all right. Well, hey, we're continuing our SBC Seminary College interviews this week. This week with your good friend Jamie Dew. Excellent. Very excited. So here's our interview with the College at Southeastern Dean, Jamie Dew. Today on SBC This Week, we are pleased to welcome Dr. Jamie Dew to the podcast. He is the Dean of the College at uh, Southeastern in Wake Forest, North Carolina. Thanks for joining us, Jamie. Hey, glad to be here. Thanks for having me. All right. Now, we'll talk a little bit about the College at Southeastern. Give us kind of the, the quick 30-second elevator pitch uh, about the college there on, on the campus uh, that you uh, kind of manage. Sure. So the College of Southeastern is a college of the seminary, Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. 
And just like the, the parent institution seminary, uh, the college seeks to send and train students to go to every facet of the world and uh, every corner of the globe to serve Christ from there. Uh, we offer the same types of degrees that you would expect in a seminary, like pastoral ministries and missions and things like that. But at the same time, we have a curriculum that's broader than that as well. So we train people to go into the workplace and to serve Christ through their vocations as well. So um, I say to people all the time that we're really, though we have degree programs like English and history and philosophy, those are great programs here. If you're just interested in getting a degree like that and you're not interested in serving Christ, then we might not be the school for you. Because what we want are those students that are trying to spend their life and give their life for the cause of Christ in some way. So that's who we're for. It's a niche group, um, <clears throat> and we try to focus on that and try to do a very good job in that. I think we do. All right. Well, you know, you mentioned the seminaries. They prepare pastors for Christian ministry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of times the, the undergraduate programs at the colleges, like you mentioned, are, are broader than that typical graduate programs. You've already mentioned that. So how does that co- how does the college fit into the goal of preparation to service to the church? So yeah, so we are trying, as I said a minute ago, we are trying even in the college to train students to go. Uh, everything we do comes back to the Great Commission, but we recognize at the college level sometimes you need an education that's broader than that. You need something that's maybe not already specialized and focused on pastoral ministries. Though we do offer that degree because we recognize that some folks are coming to us and that's really all they have time for in life is to do an undergraduate degree. So we offer that kind of training at the undergrad level. But we also recognize for your traditional college student that does plan on going into seminary and serving the church in some way, that they may need a degree program that's broader than that. So we do things like history. We do things like philosophy. uh, We do things like uh, justice and social ethics. Um, we do things like humanities. We even have interdisciplinary studies. We have ways of doing things where we train teachers to go do teacher education. Um, and so, and we even have new programs where we partner with other institutions to provide vocational training and theological education for us. And so in short, generally speaking, not just at Southeastern, but even generally speaking within the academy, the undergraduate degree is typically your, your, you start with your broadest foundation there and then you go upward in, in specialization as you go up in your degree programs to masters and to doctorates and things like that. So, uh, everything we're doing still trying to go for great commission, but recognizing that to do that well, we really have to, at the undergraduate level, provide a broad education, as broad as we possibly can. Now, what are the, some of the distinctives that Southeastern, the college at Southeastern offer, uh, you know, maybe differ from a, maybe even a traditional Bible college or even, even a Christian university or a state, state institution? Probably the biggest thing that we differ with those types of institutions on would be our History of Ideas program. So classical education, classical liberal arts education, and I would even say liberal arts education as it was intended to be done was something that was done in a Christian context where you were exposing your students to a wide variety of different ideas and concepts and helping them understand the development of those concepts. So the way we do that at Southeastern, I think, is frankly very robust and vigorous. Uh, We have the History of Ideas program here, which is part of our core curriculum. And so in that core curriculum, what that means is every student here is going to do that in the in the undergraduate school, Uh, whether they're studying uh, worship ministry, pastoral ministry, philosophy, humanities, English, doesn't matter what their degree program is in. 
all of our students are going to go through the History of Ideas program. And basically what we do here is we prepare them in two classes, an intro to philosophy class. We introduce them to the concepts and basic tools, intellectual tools. And then we also give them History of Ideas 1, which is a lecture-based course where we tell them the story of the Western tradition. And these are those two classes are designed to get them going so they can read. And then in HOI 2, 3, and 4, these are reading seminars where they're not going to be reading about Calvin and Luther or about Plato and Aristotle. They're actually going to dig into these folks, and they're going to read these people. So for three semesters, they're going to spend a lot of time reading through the classical works of the Western tradition. And again, that's for every one of our majors. So that's a key part of our curriculum, the history of ideas. The other thing is probably our, our Christian studies minor. Every student, just like that core that I was saying, also every student has to do our Christian studies minor. And there, they're going to do more than just a quick Old Testament or New Testament class. They're going to do Old Testament, New Testament, hermeneutics, theology one, theology two, personal evangelism, Bible book studies. And so before a student in our college even gets to their major, they've already done all of that. And that is a huge and valuable education in and of itself. The history of ideas, Christian studies, bringing these two together and wedding them in a way that, frankly, I don't know of any other schools that do it that way. And I'm not saying the other schools don't do liberal arts well. I'm just saying I don't know very many that do the kind of thing that we're doing, bringing the history of ideas and the Christian tradition together like that. And then after that, we prepare them with their major, philosophy or English or whatever it is that they choose. So I would say those are two huge distinctives about our college and our curriculum. Now, most SBC seminary graduate programs have traditionally been you know, more men than women. It's, it, they just reach more men in the seminary level and at that graduate level. How does the collegiate offerings provide an avenue for women to be more involved in educational training on the seminary campus? Right. And this is one of the things, good question. Uh, it's, it's a question that's frankly motivated us in recent years to expand our curriculum a bit and to diversify our degree programs. Uh, you know, we have had the pastoral ministries and the biblical studies. And when, when those are the only types of degrees we offer, you're going to see exactly what you said, mostly just men. When I started here in 2006 as a teacher, first class I ever taught had 11 students in it, and nine of those students were men. And of those nine men, seven of them were older than me. I was about 32 years old. When I so that was what our, and, and frankly, that class was a snapshot of the college here. And now when I walk into a class uh, in my freshman intro to philosophy class, I'm looking at 40 students there, and it's about 60, 40 men uh, to women. So 60% men, 40% women. Most of those are much younger now. I think that that change in demographic here that we've seen in the college has come from the diversity of the programs that we offer. We now offer that English degree, which is huge for the ladies of our college, history, and even philosophy. I, I teach philosophy, and we've gotten a lot of females now that are interested in philosophy. And I think what it's shown them is that they, too, are able to step into the, to the conversation of these great ideas and not just participate, but also to contribute to it. And some of the sharpest students I've got are females now. So we've tried to offer those types of degree programs as well, uh, specifically with that, the ladies in mind for this. That this is, this is uh, something not just that they can do, but it's something vital that we need for them to be doing. 
And so we've seen, I've been very pleased to see the change in the demographic here at the college um, and, and to see that diversifying through those programs. Now, there's also often a perception with seminaries that they don't offer a traditional student experience. You even mentioned the, the kind of the demographics and how that plays into it uh, that many may expect with a college life. In what ways does the College at Southeastern promote the typical collegiate experience within that Christ-centered framework? Sure. Great question again. Um, so admittedly, it, it can be tough in a place like this to have a collegiate experience because the overwhelming majority of the students that come here are seminary students, and they've already done college. A lot of them are already married. They've got kids. They're not interested in a college experience, which means when class is over, they leave campus. This place is a ghost town, and it can be very tough, and we've certainly struggled with that. Um, in recent years, we've developed, we've explored, developed, and now implemented something called the house system here uh, at the college at Southeastern. And basically, the house system is uh, a system in which our students, when they come in, are incorporated into the life of the institution and to the life of the community with a very, very strong emphasis on student community. So, for example, we have four houses in our college. And by houses, we don't mean physical buildings. We mean more like community and ideology. Uh, these four houses are named after people that represent something about our DNA as an institution. Our four houses are Fuller, which stand for theology and preaching. Uh, Schaefer for Francis Schaefer, uh, representing the history of ideas. Lyle, the first African-American Southern Baptist missionary. Uh, so it represents kingdom diversity. Uh, and then Judson, of course, represents missiology. So those four houses represent who we are. And now what we do is as freshmen are coming in their first semester or any new students coming in, they are automatically placed into one of those houses. Now, do they select those or do y'all just kind of place them? Yeah, we don't place them. We don't use the little magic hat from Harry Potter either. Um, but we do, we base it off of some interviews that we do with them, personality matches, we work to match them with a roommate, and then we'll select a pair of roommates to go into a house so that there's camaraderie there. Um, they don't have any say over which house they're in. They're sort of born into a house. In the same way that you don't have any say over who your parents are, you're born into this. And then everything about your life in the college now happens through your house. And so it builds camaraderie. Uh, we're right in the midst of our, our launching of this program, and thus far our students absolutely love it. Uh, and competition happens between them throughout the year and, and, and all of that type of stuff. So that's been a very exciting development in the college uh, to help us develop community and to provide a collegiate feel. And thus far, it seems to, to be working quite well. Now, if people are interested in, you know, maybe having, you know, maybe they're interested in an undergraduate program or they have friends that are looking at starting to look at colleges or they have kids that are starting to look at colleges, where can they find out more about the college at Southeastern? College at southeastern.com. We've just got a new website. Uh, it's slick. Uh, it's efficient. It's very well done and put together. It really captures who we are and what we are. You can see all about our degree programs. You can see about our, our worldview, our doctrinal statements, um, what we're promoting, what we're about. You can also find information there about, about um, tuition and well, Speaking on that, I, I know that's a big thing, you know, student debt student loans, expensive college, higher education. I mean, that's, that's all the thing. Uh, how, how does Southeastern address that with, with the uh, tuition there? Yeah, so most of our students that come to us are Southern Baptist students. And they, other folks are welcome too, but most of them are, in fact, Southern Baptist students. 
Um, and what that means is, is that there's an immediately a huge, an enormous discount for them coming to our college. So, for example, in the state of North Carolina, and most states are this way, that students in their state can go to their state schools for cheaper than what people out of state can. State of North Carolina, for example, if you went to UNC Carolina or NC State or UNC Charlotte, UNC Greensboro, Wilmington, one of those schools, you're probably looking anywhere from seventeen to eighteen thousand dollars a year for tuition, room and board, and all of those types of things. That's state tuition. That's not private. That's in-state tuition. As a Southern Baptist, you can come to the college at Southeastern for just under fifteen thousand dollars a year. So we're coming in for our Southern Baptist students. We're coming in under in-state tuition for most students throughout the United States of what they could go to for those schools. This doesn't count private school where you're going to get minimum $25,000 up to $50,000, $60,000 per year. So you're getting a private school education for just barely under $15,000 a year. That's huge. Most of our students are coming from the North Carolina area, which we're, again, more than happy to take students from everywhere. But uh, places like North Carolina have North Carolina needs-based tuition help. A lot of our students get that. We do have other scholarships, Tucker Aid. We have some internal scholarships. We even now have the ability to help students qualify for CASI funding if they're from North Carolina, uh, South Carolina, or Virginia. So short answer is, a lot of different scholarship and funding pools that we draw from, but our students are starting off out of the gate way, way cheaper than they would be in most places yeah. where they private school education and class sizes with public school or cheaper than public school cost. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, Jamie, thank you so much for joining us today. We appreciate everything. Wish you all the best at the college at Southeastern. Hey, thanks, man. Appreciate the time. All right. Thanks for that, Jonathan. And we are excited that uh, Dr. Dew could come and talk with us this week. Yep. Always good to do that. We'll be uh, continuing those. Uh, I think we may take a break, Take talk to Mike Rout next week if I can get that interview in in time. Uh, but we also have the interview with Matt Hall as well as with Dr. Wilkinson over at Southwestern. I'm still working on setting up the one from New Orleans. So uh, that's going to bring us to my favorite part of the week, Amy. This week in SBC history, blow our minds. Well, I'm going to go back to 1976, and I was trying to find, uh, you know, Carter. this is kind Jimmy of, Carter was elected. yeah, this is kind of the last week to really focus in. I tried to do Olympic-themed ones. I've tried to do some that were uh, around the election, so I was looking in election years, and I just hit on this story that did involve uh, Jimmy Carter, who at the time was the president-elect. Um, it's in the Baptist Press it's the main story. The title is Plains Confrontation, A Study in Church Autonomy. And it was a story um, about Plains Baptist Church, which is where Jimmy Carter uh, was a member at that time. And um, here's, here's kind of what was happening. There had been a really strange uh, thing to happen right before the presidential election. So that church had about 400 members. There was this situation that Plains Baptist Church was dealing with that was really causing the entire convention to look in on uh, what it really meant for the autonomy of the local church. So I'm just going to read this paragraph. It said, No individual board or agency of the nation's largest Protestant denomination can dictate to that rural Georgia congregation made up of some 400 members 
whether or not to fire its pastor, rescind its 1965 resolution barring blacks, or admit Clennon King to its worship services. So they had had um, a resolution that barred uh, African Americans from their worship services, and this man, Clennon King, came uh, to their church on Halloween two days before the election, and um, and the church's deacons stepped up. The pastor was going to allow um, was going to allow this, but some of the deacons stepped up and said, no, you cannot walk through the door of the church. But at that time, it said, uh, wring their hands as they may and quote national, you know, SBC resolutions against racism. All they can do is what everyone else, including President-elect Jimmy Carter, can do, watch to see what happens. Um, And so then there's this whole study about sort of the system of the SBC, the structure with all of the agencies, how the SBC did not have a say in the matter of what happened at that time um, in 1976, and and, uh, particularly in the way our, our, our structure was laid out. So um, it's this whole story. I really would encourage you uh, and people to read it. And and I've I've been looking to try to get more on this story of what uh, kind of how it played out, but I haven't found that yet. So I'm going to still keep digging. And if we find if I can find more, I'll, I'll have it in the show notes. But what's interesting is this happened. It happened right two days before the election. It was in the president elect's church. The SBC is watching it. Everyone's watching it. He's watching it. It looked like it was like planned, like they had done this as a as a political stunt, you know, from the Apparently. other side, trying yes. to trying to smear Jimmy Carter with it. Oh yeah, the, yes. The the pastor that was doing this uh, had been a, a politician himself, so it's it's very interesting. It says the pastor had said, "I would I will do everything in my power." Uh, to help you gain acceptance. Um, so it's r- just really interesting. It looked like there was kind of a standoff um, in the whole issue. And then where the SBC got involved in it is that people were asking questions um, about the 1965 resolution, about what was happening, about how this was playing out. And the SBC could, could not really, at that time, do anything. Now, and the way our denomination works is we can certainly, for different reasons, not seat messengers uh, in accordance with our bylaws or, or talk about what it means to cooperate. But there's no there's nothing that can be done uh, to a local church, particularly in that situation. So what's interesting is Baptist Press really treated this. They said it's a case study in autonomy, this whole thing that's happening. And I mean, I've never heard this story before, and it was all happening surrounding the presidential election. Uh, so I know there's got to be I know there have to be more stories about this. Uh, and I'm going to keep digging. Uh, so anything I find, we'll you know we'll throw that in the show notes. Uh, but it's very very fascinating. So, you know, again, sometimes we think that we're discovering uh, drama for the first time, and uh, we're not. Uh, it has happened many 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 times, including this week in SBC history. Wow, that's fascinating. So, uh, it, always interesting to see things that, you know, you and I have never heard of as much as we kind of have been around the SBC and know about the SBC. There are these moments like this and, you know, Lawrence Welk, 
yeah, yeah. <laughs> that uh, that end. we just never, you never know what you're going to find in these BP back articles. Right. And and they talked about how leader, Southern Baptist leaders across the nation were really expressing um, dismay yeah. over this. Including so the President you, James Sullivan. So Right. So you know that everyone was talking about it. And if this, you know, we, we have all these things that will come up that sort of everything is talking about reflecting on but you know 40 years from now people aren't going to know all of these individual stories and that's that's why that's one reason i'm very grateful for uh the uh, southern baptist historical library and archives for the work that they do for the digital um the for the digital archives the, the things online because they really give us a chance to see and understand you can you can dig more into kind of some primary sources the news as it was happening in the moment it's almost like this segment has become you know contemporary baptist history with amy whitfield that doesn't sound as fun as this week in sbc history no but i'm talking like class wise you know it's like going to class every yeah. week with amy whitfield yeah. professor amy so yeah. all right well, well moving on uh, so thanks again to our sponsor this week, The Expected One, the book from B&H Publishing and Scott James. Pick that up at Lifeway.com or your local Lifeway Christian retailer. And also that's going to bring us to our resources of the week. My resource of the week is an app uh, for your phone. And I wrote an uh, article today at Dr. Rayner's site about apps for productivity. The one I got the most response for was the Keyring app. Uh, which basically, Amy, do you have you have a set of keys? I know um, that you yes. you have for your your little Honda Element, and I, I'm yes. sure you have these little loyalty cards. You know, for uh, maybe yes. it's Harris Teeter or uh, maybe the YMCA. I don't know where you work out and take your kids to swim practice, uh, but Keyring replaces that and puts them all on your phone. It digitizes everything, puts it all in nice. your phone. They can scan it from your phone. I have my Kroger card in here. So if say you take Keith's Jeep one night and you don't have your keys but you need to run by Harris Teeter. Well, I don't have my card because it's on my keys at the house. Well, guess what? In my phone, now you've got, nice. it. You've got it. So Keyring is a great little app. It's got, it can put in uh, credit cards, I think, as well, uh, but a lot of loyalty cards. Those are the, the real easy ones to do there. So if you, you cool. shop Kroger or whatever, you know, uh, maybe your local um, YMCA, you know, just different things like that. Anything with a barcode, it can put it on there. Very cool. So that's, that's my neat. resource of the week. Your resource of the week is... Um, it's a book that's been out for a couple of months and I have not read it yet, but I'm really wanting to. It's by Michael Haken, um, who is a, a Baptist history professor uh, at Southern Seminary and it's called Eight Women of Faith. Oh, and are it you in deals there? No, That'd it, be it nine deals... women of faith. That'll be the next one. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, it deals with eight women in church history, uh, Jane Gray, Anne Steele, Margaret Baxter, Esther Edwards Burr, Anne Dutton, Anne Judson, Sarah Edwards, and Jane Austen. Um, and uh, Karen author? Swallow. Yes. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Um, Karen Swallow Pryor wrote the foreword to this. I've been hearing a lot about it. Uh, it's been on my list, and uh, I just had, had thought about it and wanted to throw that in there as a resource of the week, which maybe could interest some people and is something that I want to read soon as well. Updated edition, Nine Baptist Women with Amy Whitfield. So, Yeah. Maybe, yes. Maybe well. No. No. Okay. Yeah, I think this. Uh, I think we'll just stick with it as it is. I'm not sure that I uh, am a Jane Austen. So we're, we're you're getting there. You're getting yeah. There. All right. A couple more SBC this week's, and you'll be set. So. Oh wow! You have a lot of confidence. Well, yeah. 
Uh, well, you know, it's either that or Dr. Aiken changes his 10 who changed the world to 11 that changed the world. So, I mean, your, your choice, your pick. I think, yeah, I got nothing. I got nothing for this line of conversation. Okay. All right. Well, Amy, it's the middle of November, believe it or not, Veterans Day today. Um, so happy Veterans Day to all our veterans. My, my brother's a Navy serviceman out in California. Uh, I've got several veterans in my family. Uh, so happy Veterans Day to all of our veterans and uh, those with uh, the families overseas. Uh, we're praying for them. And uh, it's always uh, good to celebrate Veterans Day. They have a big uh, Veterans Day celebration at my kid's school today. So I think we're going to swing by there uh, later today uh, and see that. It's this afternoon. So they do a big thing every year. You know, we're done with the political season for the most part. I, I know a couple of places there's some runoffs in Louisiana, my home state. There's a big Senate, U.S. Senate runoff. Uh, but for the most part, I think we're past the political season. Yeah, so we're uh, we're still waiting in North Carolina to get the final results of our governor's race. But, Is it going to be Roy um, or Ray or whatever? Yeah, I just don't know. It's it's so close. So we'll well, is it, we'll is find it Roy them. or Ray? Because I know Hillary called him the wrong name the other day. Um, it's Roy. It's Roy, and she called him Ray. That's what it was. Right. Okay. Yes. So uh, so we're still watching that. But for the most part, I think it's time for us to start moving into, uh, we'll be moving into the holiday season. Next week, I will be uh, coming to you from San Antonio, Texas. Uh, where, yes, we'll be down there for the meeting of the Evangelical Theological Society. Remember the Alamo. And yes, I'm going to go uh, check out the Alamo while I'm there. Have you ever been? No, I haven't. Oh, I'm looking you'll love it. it. You'll love it. Yes. I, I love the Alamo. I've, I did a lot of projects on the Alamo when I was a kid. Yeah. So oh, it, very fun. It's, uh, I'm, I'm a big Alamo fan. Yeah. I got well, the John Wayne movie on DVD. Yes. Well, with Davy Crockett being from Tennessee, uh, oh, yes. always a lot of uh, pride, state pride in that. So I'm kind of excited about knowing more. And so, uh, what part of that's the state was he from? It was East Tennessee. Oh, okay. I, I, yeah. I didn't know where in Tennessee he right. was from. So, um, I am I'm very much looking forward to that, but there will be a, a huge uh, Southern Baptist representation among our seminaries there. So I'll I'll come to you. I won't get too into uh, the details uh, of all the papers and things because that um, I think is is only interesting to uh, some of us. But there are going to be some great conversations going on, very important ones. So I'll try to hit the highlights next week. Oh, that'll be fun. So we get a live update. From ETS. Yes. All right. Well, sounds good. Well, until next week, thanks for joining us again this week, and we'll see you next week. See you next week.